Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. in this series, second week into looking at the theme that every home, every home is under construction. Every home uh, has the, uh, the, the fact if your house is going to be a home, if your domicile is going to be a place of security, of safety, of spiritual significance in our land today, you will always be at work constructing your home. Uh, you know, we saw a video this morning. Uh, I was reminded, matter of fact, I even thought about bringing a VHS tape today, but I knew that if I did bring this video, there would be some slight chance that somehow it got ruined, and Dave, I would never hear, I would never live it down because we have one VHS tape of, of mine and Dana's wedding, and that's all that we're, somehow we started with three or four tapes, uh, some little micro tapes, and a handful of DVDs, but somehow, I don't know, it was through the fan club, they've been whittled away, and I've mailed them off to people. I don't know what, but now we just have one VHS tape, and we had a very weird, very odd uh, suggestion uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Dax said, you know, I'd like to watch your wedding. We are like, kind of odd, but okay, here we go. And uh, honestly, I hadn't seen that tape for probably eight years, and we watched... 90% of it. You know, Nolan, uh, my father-in-law, he was the one, he and Mike Graves officiated the wedding, and uh, Nolan got a little long-winded, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so, you know, uh, we kind of fast-forwarded through a lot, much of his talk, uh, but we watched 90, 95% of it. Now, I, where I had to put my foot down, Pastor John, was then the following day, the following day, Dax asked again, he said, can we watch the video again? And I, I saw that we were headed into a territory where we were going to be watching this on a daily basis for several weeks because when Dax gets into something, it's usually like a, a two-week focus, you know. And so we just shut that, we nipped that one real quick. I was like, no, we can't. No, we're not going, we're going to watch SpongeBob today. We're going <laughs> to watch something else here, okay? But the reason I'm telling you this is I was reminded in that time, one of the parts that we did not fast forward in Nolan's uh, talk and his, his sermon in our wedding was uh, his reminder that I, uh, I needed Dana and Dana needed me. Now, in his talk, I think the direct, exact quote was, I desperately need Dana. I am desperately undone and incomplete and uh, pretty much on my own, a hopeless individual. Uh, Dana Eh, she kind of needed me, you know, kind of needed me to, you know, shovel the snow and take out the garbage. But, you know, for the most part, I desperately needed Dana. And, you know, you know, the reality is this, those words that Nolan shared is absolutely, was and is absolutely true. I need Dana to complete my life and Dana needs me. That's not just a line out of Jerry Maguire, but that is the truth, uh, we are not found complete. One uh, reason, this, that is one reason for us to interweave our lives together as spouses. Now, most of us, as we are building our homes, we will interact with a spouse. 
The statistics show that in our culture, the vast majority of homes that are being created in America are, are people, uh, two people together. And so it only seems reason as we are trying to create this series, and we've, we've made this series with the image that there are many homes out there. Uh, many homes do not have two men, a man and a woman, two adults living together as a husband and wife as, as, as a spousal unit, uh, the reality is still there are a significant number of spouses in homes, and so we do need to take time to focus on that, if not for, but just for one week even in this series. And so that's what we want to do today, is how, how do we invest in our spouse as we are constructing our home? How do we speak into that issue? How do we connect? And uh, for us today, what I want to do is just go to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you have a copy of scriptures, let's look at 1 Peter 3. In the very beginning of chapter 3, Peter, who I might add we understand was a married man, he understood the dimensions of, uh, of, of what life looked like in a husband-wife setting. He was able to speak on an authoritative position because he was in the middle of a relationship with, with a family, with a, with a wife, with children, presumably. Uh, so he knows what he's speaking of here. And on top of that, uh, he has now, we see in, in 1 Peter 3, also the Holy Spirit speaking into him and through him as he records these words to the churches and how to get along. How, how can a home get along? How do, how do husbands and wives survive life together? How do they thrive? How do they build a home of significance? In the first part of chapter 3, uh, Peter basically says two principles here. He says, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands. Some of your translations would say submit. Some of them will say respect. Wives, respect your husbands. If, uh, and, then, and then the second, the second piece of advice, the second instruction that Peter gives is, is uh, husbands, husbands, love Love your wife is what uh, some translations say. Other translations will say, be understanding to your wife. Those are the two big principles that Peter is giving to the church in that day. Is wives, respect your husbands, uh, honor your husbands, submit to your husbands in their leadership. And wives or uh, husbands, be, be loving to your wife. Love them. Uh, understand them. Be understanding towards them. And, uh, and, and then he, you know, stops and takes a short break there, a pause to catch his breath, it seems. And, and it begs the question for us as, as we hear those verses in the first eight verses of chapter three, it would be easy for us to say, okay, how? That's the debate, isn't it? How? How are we, what does submission look like in a, in a godly home? What does it look like to be understanding or to be loving? Well, I believe Peter is answering that question for us in chapter 3, starting at verse 8. As he goes from talking to wives and then talking to husbands, and then he starts talking to everyone, to everyone in the home. And he's talking to both wives and husbands now. It's not at, at the first part of the chapter we get the sense that that Peter takes the wives and puts them in one room. He takes the husbands and puts them in another room, has a fireside chat with each group 
on their own, but now we're getting the picture that he brings everyone in into the, into the assembly room, and he said, okay, everyone, now that we're together, how do we live together in harmony? How do we live together in a way in which we thrive? And so this is the further insight that Peter gives us today. Verse 8, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. So you go, okay, wait a second. He's talking about spouses, but now love each other as brothers and sisters. Talking about this, uh, uh, some of you, if you've been around church long enough, you know there's multiple words to describe love in Greek. Uh, he's literally using the word phileo here, this, this love that is this kinship. Not uh, there's, there's eros, which is this erotic love. There's agape and a, a godly love. There's also phileo, this idea of, of this long-lasting love the love that only family members have with one another. That's, again, something that for most of us, you're like, okay, well, that's not a unique insight for us, Tony. Well, it was a unique insight in the Roman world because in the Roman world, uh, the concept when people got married, most, most people were kind of like, you know, this will last for a few years. This, this will be good for a couple of years, but then I'm moving on. And it, they don't see themselves as lifetime partners. And here, Peter's saying, look, no, view your love not just in an erotic, an erotic way, not in just a practical way uh, of two business partners coming together, a business proposition, but view this with phileo. View this as this is, a, this is not just someone that you have a partnership with or you, you have an erotic relationship with, but this is someone who you will be with for the rest of your life. This is someone who is deep under your skin. They're related to you. So again, you and I will look at this and, and the, the, the nuance there can be lost, but, but Peter's saying, look, love, love your spouse like you love a family member, which again, you and I would say, well, of course, of course, because they are family. Back in the day, your husband, your wife was not your family. They were a person that maybe you couldn't even trust them. Maybe you had to keep one eye open at night. That's the culture that, that Peter is speaking from here. And then he continues on. Be tenderhearted and keep humble. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Again, he's speaking about family here. You know, a lot of times preachers will preach this passage thinking we're talking about the church cult or the, the large culture. And it truly, it is a message for the for the large culture, but specifically when you look at context, Peter's talking also about, hey, your family, when, you're, when your husband insults you, don't repay that by, by you know, turning off the alarm clock and making him late the next morning. Hey, when, you're, when your husband, when your wife says something totally hateful to you, don't, don't you know, punish her by spending six months giving her a cold shoulder and being passive-aggressive, right? That's what, that's what Peter is telling us, don't retaliate with insults. When, when, when your spouse insults you, don't, don't, don't retaliate. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face 
against those who do evil. Mouthful is being shared here by Peter, isn't it? So what do we do with that? What do we take away from that? How do we practice these insights that Peter gives us? It's kind of hard to create a scoreboard, isn't it, men, to you know, write down, okay, we turn away from evil, we don't insult, we protect, we do the right thing, we pray. You know, we have a lot of things here that we'd have to be checking off every day if we're doing them correct. And the next thing you know, what happens? We turn into kind of these Pharisees, don't we? where we're so caught up in checking off our list to make sure we're being a good husband or a good wife that we're no longer worried about being a what? A good husband or a good wife, right? And so, so how do we take these principles, embed them into who we are to create the kind of home that God wants us to create in our lives? Well, I would offer and submit a couple of thoughts as far as, as, as I've taken time the last couple of weeks, just kind of going through this scripture and just, just, just chewing on it and, and thinking about this. There's, there's three thoughts that I, I uh, have come up with that will help us if we employ these things, these principles in our lives, they will help us embed the things that we've just read in scripture here. If we just practice these three things, and I will admit, easier said than done, I understand, but... Uh, but as we practice them, we get better at them, right? So here we go. How do we live these principles out? First thing I would say is this. And, and I might say this more than once in the next upcoming weeks and months because these are important statements that we just need to put deep down into us. The very first principle is if you think something, say it. If you think something, say it. And now some of you who take me literally are like, at last, at last, I've been thinking something about my spouse I've been wanting to unload on, and now Pastor Tony has given me license to do it. Well, hear the context, hear the context. Solomon tells us in Proverbs that there is deep power in our words, right? Our words are very powerful. We live in a society today where words don't matter. And people, we can't even agree. Man, get, get a couple of lawyers together. They can't even agree what the word is means, correct? We can't even understand what the word truth means. We, can't, we, we, we have a problem with words today, but the reality is I still stand very strongly in the, uh, the camp that words are powerful things. Our words have the ability to bless people, and our words have the ability to curse people. We can encourage and we can build up nations with our words, and we can destroy and lay waste to the very foundations of families, homes, and civilizations with our words. There is power in our words. And so when I'm saying if you think something, say it. I'm not saying whatever's on the top of your mind, say it. Because some of the things that we do think are, are, is stinking thinking, and we need to bury it, okay? But what I'm saying is, is men, when you, think, when you think, man, my wife is beautiful. My wife is beautiful. I cannot believe that I'm so fortunate to have married the person I've married. And then it just stays right there. That is a horrible failure. That is a huge man fail. Ladies, when you sit back and think, I am so blessed to be with the man that God has called me to be with. He, he, he has built a home. He has created, he has created a, a safe place for me and my children. He, he is a good dad. He is a good husband. And it just stays right there. Then that is thoughts that are, those are thoughts that are wasted. 
When, what I'm trying to communicate is when we think blessings, we need to not assume that the other person knows what we're thinking, right? And instead, we need to vocalize. We need to vocalize those things. So when you think a blessing to your spouse, about your spouse, you need to communicate it. You need to say it. When you think something, say it. You see, because it's human nature. When you don't say something good, then you just assume that you, you, the other person is assuming that you're thinking something bad, right? If you don't constantly put out good, the people around you just think that you're ticked off about something. It's human nature. I remember early on in my, um, in, before even marriage, when Dana and I were dating, and, uh, and she was going away. We had been dating for a while and getting, getting serious. And we knew, I knew, I knew before she knew, I knew that this was going to be a more than just a dating relationship. Uh, she was leaving for a long vacation with a couple of her friends. Uh, they were going to the Bahamas together. And, and I'll be honest with you, some of Dana's friends, some of her friends were of dubious character. I was a bit concerned. I was a bit concerned about what was what, what kind of sin and, and licentious uh, behavior that they were going to drag Dana into in the Bahamas? And, and I think at some point, maybe, maybe a day before she left, I made a mistake and I shared those thoughts with her and uh, shared my concerns. And I was probably a little bit too honest about what could potentially happen in the, the mean and evil streets of Nassau, Right. And uh, we hadn't, I know this is going to be shocking to you. She didn't dutifully say, wow, well, thank you for being my spiritual guardian here and my physical guardian. I'm going to, I, maybe I need to cancel my trip, Tony, and go instead to Ava to the, uh, to the monastery and pray for the week. You know that? Because that's what I recommended for her, I believe. I think. I think that's what I said. Uh, if memory, I mean, granted, folks, that was about 20 years ago, so it's been a little bit of time. But I believe that's what I encourage you to think about was uh, Ava was very pretty at that time and give her a chance to get back to her home roots because that's where she was born. I might have made some jokes about Ava at that point, too, just to add to the, to the scene. And, uh, and so she, needless to say, when she left that next morning, she was fairly upset, uh, upset with me. And uh, I don't know that we even spoke uh, as I was driving her to the airport on her way to a, a, the potential of a debaucherous weekend, right? Or week, week, even worse, right? E a week. And uh, at some point, some point in that week, I think I talked to Pastor John before he was a pastor, but he was still a good friend of mine. And uh, John shared some insight into me and kind of told me that I was being a, a village idiot at that point. And, uh, and so... So pretty quickly, probably uh, within the first day before, maybe even before she landed, I'm texting her saying, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a fool. I hope you have a great week. And I am, I am just, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, it shows some things in me, some things that I need to work on with my therapist. Uh, let's, let's deal, you know, I'll deal with that. I apologize. And you know what, I got radio silence, radio silence. Nothing, nothing. No, not even an okay. Not even an emoji thumbs up. Nothing, nothing. Granted, back then there was no emoji thumbs up, right? Uh, but nothing. And I remember now the next four or five days just on my mind, everything going, 
oh man, I broke us up. We, she is so ticked off with me right now. She's probably finding some pool boy to become, <laughs> become her new boyfriend. Some towel boy at, at the Nassau, you know, uh, Hilton or wherever it was she was staying. They're going to be dating and now I'm out. I'm out. And, and so for a week, I was just thinking this. Why? Because I did not hear anything. Nothing. Radio silence. And I was like, man, I really messed up. Uh, probably in my mind, I was saying uh, more like, man, I really screwed the pooch on that one uh, instead of just saying I messed up. I mean, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. I was terrified. I was terrified. By the looks of your faces, I won't use that line in second hours, okay? I, I say right now, I apologize to you all for offending you, um, but... I, you know how bad I was, okay? You know how scared I was at that moment. You know how bad it was. Uh, I go to pick her up with her family, fully expecting to have the pink slip in her hand, saying, replaced you, buddy. You, you did. You, you're, you're done. You're done here. Uh, you went too far in that argument, and I found someone else. I found a pool boy that I'm bringing home with me in my, back, in my sack here, and he's going to be my new boyfriend and ultimately my fiance and husband. Um, instead, we got in the car, picked her up, and, and she seemed fine enough. I'm thinking, wow, you're just waiting for the right time to lower the boom on me. And so I'm thinking it's going to happen in the car because Nolan and Susan were in a different vehicle, and I was like, oh, well, at least you're nice enough not to do the assassination in front of everybody in the tarmac, right? Um, and so we get in the car, and I'm like, hey, uh, did you get my text? And she was like, She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did get it, but I, I didn't see it until actually I, I just put my phone, I unplugged my phone, and I turned it off, and I didn't even think anything about it because we were just having such a great time on the beach and doing all that stuff that I didn't even look at my phone until on the way back in the airport in Atlanta, and I thought I'd just text you or I'd just talk to you when I saw you just, you know, two hours later. And I'm like, well, what about that text? And she's like, oh, we're fine. I understand. I know. I know, I know what, you're goof and you're a weirdo and it takes time. There's a reason why you didn't date anyone more than, than three weeks before me. And she's like, I understand that. I would have loved to have heard that day one, <laughs> you know, you know? Why? Why is that? Because human nature, when we don't hear something from our spouse, we assume what? Oftentimes we assume the worst, the worst. So what I say to you in this, friends, is use your words to encourage uh, to encourage people. Uh, you know, it might be that as you're hearing this, you're sitting there going, Tony, I wish, I wish I had something that I could say about my spouse that was a blessing, but I don't because, because this, my spouse is so far off the line. I mean, I get that we don't live in a Pollyannish world. I get that we aren't in a place where, where our spouses are the, the perfect picture of, of, of the things that we would hope to be. So this is what I would say to you. Use your words to encourage what you want to see what you want to see. Uh, you, you want your, ladies, you want your husband to be a spiritual leader of, in your home, to stand up and take incredible leadership and, and lead your, yourself and lead your children to the Lord. Then here's what you do. When they are praying a bit hesitantly at Thanksgiving, uh, during the Thanksgiving meal, brag on them about how when that person, when your husband is praying, it makes you feel so, so secure. They do such a great job. You're so proud of them when they're taking the lead. Brag on them when they do that, right? Right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, men, you sometimes 
are frustrated because your wife just takes the lead when you want to take the lead. They kind of can be dominating. Well, in those moments when they allow you to kind of stand up and, and make that decision and take the lead in your family, brag on your spouse and say, you know, when you allow me to do that and you give input in how what we're doing with the children or, or the stance we're taking, the direction we're taking with our kids or the direction we're taking with vacation, man, I just feel so good. I feel like I get to be a part of the family, make some big decisions in our family. Take the time that if you think something good, say it, say it. You know, we, we say in, our, in, in this world today, we, we say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it, right? Love you, Dana, love you, love you lots, love you, love you, love you, see you later, love you, love you, love you, good night, love you, good morning, love you, uh, love, love, love. And, and after a while, it turns into just white noise, doesn't it? Love you, love you, you know, love you. Love you, love you, love, love. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. How about this? How about, why don't, if you're in that boat, and again, some of you are like, I wish we said love, but, but you know, we can also take it to the other end where we say it so much it doesn't mean anything. It just turns into, hi, how are you, right? If you find yourself in that boat, how about, how about, and this is for me, I'm going to try this this week, okay, with Dana. How about for one week, this is what you say, I love you because blank. Fill it in. As you leave in the morning, I love you because you're still hot. After 20 years of marriage, I still look at you and you're hot, right? I love you because you are so thoughtful. I, you made this incredible meal and because you take the time to cook for our family and you're so good at it, I love you for that. I love you because you, we have a home that's fallen apart and every time something's breaking, you're there with your toolbox ready to fix it. Heck, if you're like me and John, I love you because things are falling apart and you're there with your phone ready to call a repairman to get someone out here and you're okay spending the cash to make it happen, right? That's, that's what we need to practice. But not only if we think something should we say it, here's a second principle of how to make these things live out in our lives. If you think something special, do it. If you think something special, do it. You know, it's so often when um, I'll talk to families and I'll talk to husbands or I'll talk to wives who's, who their marriage, their relationship is on a life support. And as we're talking and visiting, and it's not me being some master counselor, but just I'll note and over years I've seen just some common threads developing with different people, different relationships. You're like, I'm like seeing similar things developing here. So it makes me think, hmm, these are principles. And one of the principles I see is, I'll hear this where, where different, the different spouses will be like, yeah, you know, I really had intentions to go get flowers, but I didn't. Well, why? Why didn't you, why didn't you go get them? Ah, because I was busy that day. Or, well, because they cost $9.88 at Walmart. And, you know, I'd rather spend $9.88, you know, something else. Uh, you know, they, they'd have a thousand reasons. They, they'd say, I had intentions to do good things to bless my spouse, but I didn't. And the question and the thought that I have is we need to develop how to get past the, but I didn't, right? And so when you have ideas in your head to do something special, guess what? Do it. Do it, friends. Oh, I'm not saying that you throw caution to the wind for you financial peace, university people. I'm not saying you blow out your budget and you, you're like, you know what? I want to go to Tahiti this, this year. And guess what? We can't afford a $12,000 vacation, but by golly, we're doing it. No, I'm not saying that. And that would be 
Foolish. That will cause many more problems down the road, hey, going into financial distress than your blessing right then. But this is what I'm saying. We can do special things on a budget, can't we? We can do special things. Even if the special thing is, you know what? You need a timeout today. Let me do the dishes. You know what? You need a timeout today. Let me walk the dog. You know what? You need, you need some time. Why don't you, why don't you have a special night uh, by yourself, or, or why don't we go out together and get a babysitter? And, and again, we're on a budget. Maybe our time together is just <laughs> making some ham sandwiches. You can't afford ham, fine, you know, go with bologna. I don't know. But, you know, and go to the park and hang out, right? If you think, if you, if you think something special, then do it. Use your time. Lean into thoughtful acts and help and bless the person next to you. Let's not just assume of, oh, they know how I am and, you know, I don't like doing those things and so they're going to take care of it. No. And, and I'll say this, men, I'm going to say this because I'm a man so I can bully men, right? If I bullied women, it would be a terrible, terrible thing. You'd fire me over that. But, but men, you look at your wife like she's a two-headed cow when she's cooking a meal and she's putting it to the table, and like somehow all of a sudden your hands don't have use anymore, and they're just like nubs, and you're there helpless. Get in there and help her, okay? Get in there and help her. It's not, this is gonna, ladies, please, it's not a slam. Cooking a meal is not rocket science. Now, it is rocket science. I get it. It's hard to do, but men, you can help. You can help. Washing dishes, not rocket science. You can help. You can help in that. And so if you, if you, if you want, uh, if, if you are thinking something special, I want to do something special for my wife, get in there and do it. Do it. Help her. And ladies, if you want to do something special for your man, get in there and do it. Do it. Help him. Help him. And then the third point as we're concluding today, as we're thinking through this, you know, if you, if you think something, say it. If you think something special, do it. And I would say this, for those of you who maybe, maybe your marriage, maybe your relationship is a little farther down the road where you're like, Tony, me just saying I love someone because, or I love my wife because, or I love my husband because, it's going to take more than that to revive this thing, then this is what I'm going to tell you. The third principle is for you, and that is if you want something different, be it. If you want something different, be it. Oh, and that's not easy. I get it. And that's not trite. That's not some trite statement. You know, if you want something different, just be it, you know. No, it's going to be gut-wrenching. It's going to be like running a marathon. It's going to be times you wake up and you're like, I don't want to be it anymore. I'm tired of being it. Why can't, why can't he be it? Why can't she be it for a while? Let me be the glutton here, you know. Let me be the lazy one. No, no, that's not how we roll in these kinds of homes, friends. If you want something different, be it. Uh, several months ago, uh, I reacted very strongly here on this pulpit to the point of where probably about 60% of you didn't have a clue of what I was talking about, but I sure drove you to the internet to see what it was I was talking about. And what I was referring to, what I'm referring to is uh, several months ago, there was a preacher on the other side of our state, you know, this, this very heavy set man, definitely did not take care of himself for quite some time. Remember, he was preaching a sermon about wives, you want your husband, you, you want to know why your husbands don't love you? It's because you're fat. Remember, he was doing that, and he was so 
hateful and so ignorant and so rude. And the whole time he's doing it, I'm just sitting there as I'm watching the screen going, buddy, look at a mirror. Look at a mirror. You're critiquing your wife. Man, you need to be paying attention to yourself. You know, he, that preacher gave a black eye to preachers that day because he said a horrible thought that I had no choice but the next week to just feel like I needed to speak out on and say, man, that's not us here today. Friends, that's not your preachers. That's not your pastors at this church. We're not thinking that at all because this guy was basically saying, hey, if you want something different, beat that person up until they become different. That's what he was preaching, right? If you, if you want something different, mock and make fun of the person across from you, shame them, belittle them, talk badly about them, and let's see what happens. Well, for the record, that preacher no longer has a church to preach at. And honestly, I say thank the Lord for that, right? Because he needs to have a principle, and I need to have a principle, and we all need to have the principle that if we want something different, let's just be it. Let's not complain Let's not critique the other person, but instead try to emulate, work to model those things that you want in your home. If you're frustrated with what you're getting, friend, I tell you, as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother in Christ, as your neighbor, maybe you should take a long look at what you are giving. Okay? And maybe you need to lean into that a little bit. Men, I'm just, again, I, I can speak to men here since I are one. Uh, men, you know, one of the things we need to understand, women are multipliers, right? They're multipliers. Uh, they're homes. They're multipliers in their homes. It was amazing when Dana moved into my bachelor pad of five years that, I mean, I even had a wooden lamp bolted with a hard, thick hex bolt into the wall, not into the drywall, but into one of the studs in the wall. The drywall was cut around this wooden lamp that was in the, made in the 70s. It was a shop project from one of my brothers, I believe, and it was there in the wall. I had a, a, blue, a channel catfish that was about this long uh, that was mounted on a wood board that was in, in one of the bedrooms of my home. Not because I caught that channel cat, not because I think channel cats are beautiful animals that should be mounted, but because I saw it and I thought, that is something a guy would have on a wall. And so I put it on there. I had a picture of, of Chief Joseph, not because I'm Native American, uh, not because uh, I studied the, 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 the battle tactics of Chief Joseph and the Nez Perce Indians as they made their trek up to, up to Canada, but because, again, I was like, that's a cool picture, and guys should have cool pictures on their walls, right? It took Dana literally 18 hours to totally whitewash everything in that home when she moved there. And all of a sudden, I left her. I left her for a uh, youth retreat. I was coming back. I left on a Friday morning. I was coming back Saturday afternoon. I got back on Saturday afternoon, and it's all changed. Everything's changed in our home. Like, like now all of a sudden, uh, curtains match, and and uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, you know that like somehow the toilet paper matched 
the towels in the bathroom. I'm like, how do you even do that? I don't understand. She had ability, and you all do, of multiplying your home, right? And taking a little bit and making it enough to make this house a home. Ladies, we don't have to get to the biologics, right? Many of you have multiple children. Why? Because women multiply, right? They multiply. Uh, food, you know, how is it many of us, we look at our wives and they can, they can take just a few things, a few things, and, and you give them 30 minutes or an hour, now all of a sudden it's a banquet. And it's like, how in the world did that happen? You had, you had a box, you had a box of dried pasta, you had three quarters of a pound of chuck, whatever chuck is, and, and now all of a sudden I got this great meal in front of me. You know why? Because women multiply. Men, a little, a little clue here. If you give these multipliers some attitude, a little bit of sass, guess what gets multiplied in your home? And are you shocked? My wife, she is. Man, she's got an attitude with me. Yeah, because you probably, and hey, hear me, guys. I'm talking to myself, too, on this. Yeah, you, because you said one rude word in the morning. Guess what? It multiplied, okay? So you don't want that? Don't give it. Why are we talking about this? Man, I hope in the midst of the laughter, I hope some truth has come out, okay? Uh, I hope, I hope uh, that there's some challenges here. Because we have in our neighbors, neighborhoods, a lot of family units, right? We have a lot of houses in the places that we live, but we don't have a lot of homes, do we? And I ask you guys, you, whether you're in this room or you're online streaming us right now, do you want, do you want what you see in our culture? Is that what you want for your house, for your home, or do you want something different? Do you want something better than what our culture is giving and what our culture is offering us? And if that's the case, then I say we start with, if you, if you think something, say it. If you think something special, do it. If you want something different, be it for your spouse. Let's start there and let's see where God takes us and let's see what happens. Pray with me right now as we, as we just conclude our time together. We got a full room today, and I am so thankful for that. I'm so happy you're with us. What I would invite you to do right now is chances are you are within a stone's throw of a friend of yours. You know someone around you that you're sitting with, sitting nearby. I would invite you in this very moment to pray for that person's home. It could be spouses. It could be a single person. It could be a person divorced with children, whatever, would pray for their home right now. Would you do that? For all of us, this is a safe prayer right here. I would invite you right now just to say, God, forgive me for not giving the very best to my spouse. second prayer that would be ultra safe for us to be praying is, God, help me to say it. Help me to do it. 
Help me to be it this week for my home, for my spouse, for my family, for my church, for my community. And Father God, you, you give us your word and we see, we see we live in a culture that's just, just so filled with broken homes and so filled with homes that are not functioning the way you designed them, the way you envisioned, the way you, you say they could. And Lord, there's no doubt that even within us, in this room, all of us, our, our homes are not operating to the level that you dreamed possible. And so help us, God. Help us, humble us to be able to take your instruction. Humble us to be able to have some real clear vision and some forthright thoughts where we can take a look at ourselves and take some ownership and some responsibility. And God, help every man in this room, help every woman in this room be people that can say blessing, say blessing to their family, to be people who can do blessing to their family. And to help us be blessing, God, to our family. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.